welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Podcast with me, Kelly Peters. Today, I'm joined by Ed Hampshire from JMP Group to discuss and reflect on cybersecurity claims that have made throughout the year of 2021. And Ed, thank you for joining me today. Uh, would you like to say a little bit about yourself and the JMP Group? Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. So, yes, like you said, my name is Ed Hampshire. I'm Commercial Account Executive for John Morgan Partnership. We're a regional insurance broker based in Cheltenham, and we have a range of different clients through manufacturing, wholesale, professions, and pretty much every industry you can <laughs> you can have. And like you said, I think cyber is one of the most important covers at the moment that are available. We're seeing, obviously, a large increase in in activities in ransomware attacks mm -hmm. and sort of I suppose extortion as well on yeah. that side. It's really interesting because I was doing some homework for today's podcast and I was reading a report from a company called Marsh in combination with Microsoft and they said that 80% of the claims that they are seeing are cyber events that are malicious and that this has been a rise of 10% from the previous year. Would you say that you're seeing a similar rise in malicious cyber events that your clients are claiming for or claiming support for? Uh, we are, yes. I think I, I was reading a stat the other day that um, of cyber claims, 31% are ransomware attacks, of which 73% were paid out. And they're not just increasing on in frequency, but also severity. And I think payments in the first six months of this year, compared to the whole of 2020, we're up almost 50% from 416 to 590. They're quite scary when you see some of the, the figures that are being asked for from these criminals, because there was a school in Kent that was subject to a ransomware attack in, in the summer. And, you know, they don't have a lot of money, but they were being asked for uh, several million pounds. And essentially their data and all of the access had been revoked by these cyber criminals. So they essentially stopped working because of it. Pretty scary stuff. It is. And I think we're finding that cyber criminals have moved towards ransomware where they previously favoured stealing and then selling the data. Mm -hmm. um, they're just holding those companies or um, educational institutions to ransom for that. And, and again, whereas they were previously sort of throwing mud at a wall and seeing what would stick, they're being a bit smarter in the way in which they do choose their victim, is <laughs> yeah. a better phrase. And, you know, they're looking into their financials and we're finding that sectors that are having a, a specific focus on them, uh, not mm. necessarily a good thing, as you can mm. imagine, is uh, healthcare facilities. Oh, wow and municipals as well. That is interesting because actually one of the stats I was seeing that, that both manufacturing has seen a significant increase of, about, well, from this report, it's seen a 104% increase in attacks as had professional services seen an almost 200% increase. And that's one, they're staggering statistics, but two, I think that a lot of people have historically thought, well, we're too small. We're, we're not going to be appealing to a cyber criminal. And I don't think that is the case. And I don't know from what you're seeing if that's true or false? Um, yeah, we're seeing it across a range of different size of clients. So there's no, you know, target demographic, I suppose. And, and like you said, they're about manufacturing, also sort of the logistics companies, yeah. freight forwarders, things like that, because they can't afford to have extended outages. So they'd mm -hmm. rather pay the ransom, especially if obviously they've got the insurance policy in place that will cover them yeah. for it. And has, would you say that because of this increased in ransomware attacks, are insurance brokers or insurance companies or even the underwriters, are they getting a bit more savvy in terms of 
what they're putting in as the clauses and what they're wanting as evidence that client has put in place as a way of precautions to protect themselves against ransomware. They're never going to be uh, risk-free, but are insurance policies becoming that more sophisticated? Uh, yes, they are. Obviously, you cyber is probably one of the, the newer covers that are available uh, to companies and individuals. And with, with anything that's new, they don't really know how to rate it properly. So the mm-hmm. premiums are generally quite low to start with. The covers are quite wide and the more claims they have, the insurers then I suppose focus in on what the client should be paying due to their size, exposure they have to cyber attacks and also the covers that they're offering. So we are seeing that insurers are pulling out of the cyber market completely because it's oh, not wow. profitable for <laughs> them, which then reduces capacity within the overall market. So less insurers means that those insurers who are still within the market can do a couple of things. They can reduce covers, limits of indemnity as well. So instead of having you know, let's say a million pounds, they might mm-hmm. only offer half a million pounds. And they're also increasing premiums, increasing excesses as well. Um, so it's all a sort of knock-on effect from the number of claims that cyber insurers wow. are seeing. And do you see that as something continuing next year, that there'll be less companies offering this as a, an insurance cover, but premiums going up? Yes, wow. yeah, we're seeing it in the in the profession side. So normally the or there would be aspects of cyber cover within their professional indemnity whereas we're seeing a lot of insurers are actually starting to pull that out or strip it out completely so that law firms are having to then find or, or source a separate cyber policy that will be uh-huh. fit for purpose for them because with working from home again using law as a, as a sort of example yeah. um, i think when people are actually going and, and actually hacking their their systems they'll sit on there for an average of 100 days and they watch what people do how they talk to each other the sort of the tone and language they use with different people within the business and there's been cases quite a few cases actually of people sending emails to you know payroll or to the finance team to say oh could you pay this client 50,000 and it's not them who's sending it and then you know, a week later, the person who actually should be sending the email is saying, oh, you know, would you have to pay this client X amount of money? And the accounting is, oh, we, we paid them two weeks ago. or um, yeah. And it's obviously that then comes out against the, um, the cyber side of the policy. Because banks are unlikely to pay that because they're like, the mistake's essentially yours, the money's gone out of your account. Does the insurance cover actually give you that money back if you put in the appropriate claim? Uh, yeah, it can do. It depends, obviously, who the insurer is. And like I said, with restricting covers, will that be the case next year? Who knows? Okay. I think with, with insurers and the policies they have, it's an ever-changing landscape. So, you know, and it could literally be the difference between two months. They cover something and the next time they don't because they've seen a significant number of claims or, or um, severity of those claims. Yeah, it's really interesting. You were talking about the um, professional indemnity and the clauses that are being stripped out. We recently had to review um, indemnities and there is at least about four pages of all the cyber clauses that had been taken out of it so it was really interesting to see that because last year that wasn't the case which really kind of home this concept of oh they the insurance companies are becoming more nuanced in terms of what they will cover in certain policies and what they won't cover and like you said it's for me, the onus is on the individual or at least having a conversation with a broker to say, can you explain to me in layman's terms what is actually going to be covered from this policy? Because I read insurance policies. What does that actually mean? Am I covered in this event? And is that some of the advice that you give your clients to say, what is it you want covered? And this is the best policy for you based on your industry and the type of data that you're processing and your risk profile. Yeah, we, we do that with all our clients for all of their 
covers as well. You know, there's no point giving some, well, you know, one company a certain level of cover or with a specific insurer and have exactly the same cover provided to another company, even though mm-hmm. they're within the same sector, because their needs and requirements are quite often very different. And the key uh, core covers probably are going to be the same. Mm-hmm. But the way in which their business works is is obviously going to be different. Mm-hmm. And that's really where we look to actually go out and see our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a bit harder at the moment uh, with a new variant. <laughs> yeah. But to go out and actually have that conversation with them and, and find out, I suppose, what's important to them from a business point of view. And then mm-hmm. we then translate that into what cover they actually require to protect themselves in that area. And does it, things like that cover, those kind of conversations cover things like business interruption? Because I think one of the, the biggest impact of, of ransomware is that you're suddenly offline for potentially an indefinite amount of time. Is that part of the conversation you have with them in terms of what's their appetite for being offline in that event? Yeah, obviously the interruption aspect is is key in certain industries, and I'll be touched upon the manufacturing and and logistics com- uh, industries, and that's uh, those two that, that really can't afford to be offline. No. Um, and then obviously you, off the back of that side, you've then got the reputational damage as well. So it helps keep clients, or you know, our clients' clients, and also gives the peace of mind to their clients that you know it won't happen again, or if it does happen again, it's going to be quite a short period of inactivity. And you know, I think. During COVID, the uh, cyber attacks as a whole have increased to 18 million per day. That's really quite worrying. And because one of the things that cyber criminals are really good at is using these kind of big crises as a way of being able to exploit people. And I, I know that we certainly saw an increase in text messages that came through purporting to be the NHS. There's always been the historic self-assessment one from the HMRC, but there was emails and everything about track and trace. They are very clever so it's one of those you're always going to have to be thinking about well what will next year so once covid is gone what's the next big crisis that these very intelligent individuals are going to look to exploit to get money from you and i don't see ransomware suddenly disappearing because i'm i'm certainly seeing the term ransomware as a service uh you know that is being you so people they the criminals themselves offer themselves out as a service to other criminals and they will then maximize a, a, an event to obtain a certain amount of money which like i said a few times through today's podcast i find that quite terrifying are there for you are there any kind of practical tips that you'd want to give or that you do give your clients when it comes to considering what makes sense because like for a cyber insurance policy or whether or not they need one at all i mean i suppose let's ask that question again do you think everyone should have a cyber insurance policy in short yes but i don't think it's quite as cut and dry as that i okay. think there are some companies who don't have a website they, i suppose their risk is lower you know if mm-hmm. you've got a, a single or you know two-man band who is a landscaper for example know what risk do they have to lose i suppose obviously the reputational damage is is always going to be important for probably more important for small businesses than larger ones but you know they're not taking money on a website they haven't got a website that is pivotal to their business their processes aren't computer driven so the risk to them is lower you know is there still an area in which they can be exploited yes like there is of every business and i think it's just having a look and seeing i suppose having a bit of a checklist and going through and thinking right so if we couldn't use our computers for a day mm-hmm. or for a week or two weeks what impact would it have on the business and almost going down and saying right step one will be obviously reporting it and then after that how do we get back to where we were beforehand with the minimal uh, reputational damage as we can so i think really i think that's probably the key point is is thinking right what would happen if we were we did have a, a hack how do we overcome it 
and can we get insurance that will cover us for that or assist us going forwards? Because I think there was a stat I read about the NCSC mm-hmm. and 20% of ransomware attacks they actually supported were linked to the healthcare sector and vaccine. So as you mentioned about the sort of the phishing texts, mm-hmm. so, you know, and because of the uncertainty with COVID, and you were very optimistic to think that it wasn't <laughs> going to be here next year. Um, <laughs> I like the optimism. Um, I don't share it, but that's different. And I think that, you know, people, they do prey on, on people's insecurities from mm-hmm. that. No, I think that's a, a very, very well summarised kind of list of checklists. And uh, we in the data protection world would want to do something similar, risk assess, you know, put in uh, policies and, and procedures and do those what if scenarios. You know, what if this was to happen? You know, are we covered? If we're not covered, what's the impact uh, on us? Yeah, and I think so. So you've got the risk assessment side, but then you've also got the resilience side. So how mm-hmm. do you get yourself back into that yeah. position of fully working? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a very fair point. So um, as we're coming almost to the end of today's uh, podcast, in terms of approaching you, so if anyone's listening to today's podcast, even, um, what's the best way for them to get hold of the JMP group if they're like, actually, what you said today is very practical. I would really like to know more. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, f- I suppose it depends how people want to deal with us. We've obviously got our website, which is johnmorganpartnership.co.uk, and it's got links then to our specialist cyber side as well, mm-hmm. which I think Jen shared on the last podcast. She did. Um, then you can also you know, pick up the phone to us um, on 01242 um, and anyone within the business will be able to help you. And if you want to speak to me, you obviously can ask me. Brilliant. Um, and what we'll do is uh, on the description underneath today's podcast, we'll put all those details in as well. So I think it's been a really interesting uh, conversation that we've had today. It's gone really quickly. Um, I think it's a subject that we're going to continue to talk about and we may have another conversation next year about you know, what, are the, what are the new challenges. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast. If you'd like us to cover any particular stories that you've pro- uh, covered in the press, on the social media, let us know. You can contact us on coffee at dbxuk.com as we'd love to hear from you. So uh, join us next time in 2022 for our chat about the world of data and data protection.